Fantastic. Well, welcome to our second week of a three-part series. We're titling Follow, and I'm just going to leave my keys right there, so please don't let me sit down today without coming back to those keys that are sitting just over there. Last week, we were looking and beginning this series on follow and really we're unpacking this word Christian. What does it mean to be a Christian? In fact, the first followers of Jesus were actually called disciples. If you ask someone in your workspace, you know, what do you think the word Christian means? They might come up with a whole bunch of different ideas. They might say, really, it's just got to do with being a good person. That's a good start, but that's not how Jesus actually portrayed it. In fact, if you ask someone uh, at the heart of what Christianity is all about, is the person of Jesus Christ. And this is what we, if you missed last week, this is where we kind of um, kick things off at. And uh, we said that, you know, a disciple, the criteria for being a follower of Jesus was actually that you were a learner. <clears throat> and so if you're here this morning and you consider yourself to be a learner, then that qualifies you to be a follower of Jesus. That's just a baseline foundation, okay? In fact, what we highlighted last week is that you don't have to be perfect to follow Jesus. Some people think that, you know, I'll clean myself up, I'll get my act together, uh, I'll uh, get all my um, language right and behavior right and whatever else is involved, and then I'll actually come to actually following God. That's not true. In fact, one of the criteria for following Jesus is that you admitted that you weren't perfect, in fact, that you're a sinner, that you didn't have everything together, that you fall short. And if that offends you right now here this morning, can I just ask you this question? Um, do you stick by your rules, whatever they are, uh, do you stand by your rules all the time? Uh, whatever criteria you use in your life, do you 100% all the time stick by it? And I'm sure that most of us, when we use that criteria, whether you believe in God's criteria or not, you would come to the conclusion, no, I don't even keep um, set of all of my own standards. Yeah. In fact, there's something within each man, woman, and child that says, I, I want to uh, rule myself, I want to please myself, and I want to serve myself. Now, the Bible has an attitude for that. It's actually called a, a name for that. It's called sin. And so, if you're here this morning and you say, well, that kind of fits me, then you are still qualified to be a follower of Jesus. The, the, the second thing is that some people think they have to have all the answers, have God figured out before they actually can follow him. In fact, uh, that's actually not true. Jesus actually just invited people to come and follow him before they've figured out, in fact, before he'd actually told them where they were going to end up. So, for all the control freaks here this morning... Um, that's a really scary invitation, isn't it? But it's kind of liberating. I mean, if you could just shake it off this morning and went, you know what? If I just went on an adventure, if I write that down on my little control note that says, be uncontrolled, you know? All right. They, they responded to this simple invitation by Jesus, follow me. Lastly, Jesus actually did describe what the outcome of following him would be about. He, he used an illustration, and he described it like people that were growing, uh, that were wheat. And he said, really, the outcome of following me and responding to this invitation is that you will become fruitful. That is, just like a, a head of wheat produces 30, 60, or 100-fold, that's what I want for you in for your life. In fact, he defined it in another place kind of like this. He said, if you want to be fruitful... Um, because that's the outcome of responding to this invitation to follow me. He, he summed it up in this phrase. My sheep hear my voice 
and I know them and they follow me. Let's just park it here for a moment. My sheep hear my voice. He described people as being sheep on the heads of grain and used all different kinds of illustrations. He said, I know them and they know me and they follow me. Now, you might be here this morning and think, oh, that's rather ho-hum. But if you lived in a culture and an environment where there was a delineation between the insiders and the outsiders, if you lived in a culture that said, if, if you are part of the hierarchy, that's the top level, you can really have a clear connection to God. Um, if you are part of a culture that said, if you have an ailment or an illness, um, that's probably because you've done something wrong to offend God and he's punishing you, then to hear these liberating, free, open words of Jesus to follow me would have been liberating. Jesus went around the countryside proclaiming, there's a God and he's alive and his kingdom is coming forth here onto this world and you are welcome to be part of what he is doing. You are welcome to be part of his family and the criteria for doing that is that you would follow me and just place your simple confidence and trust in who I am. If you like Jesus, redefine it from not on the basis of bloodlines would you be part of God's family, but on the basis of faith lines. To be invited to follow a rabbi as teacher, as, as Jesus set himself up as a teacher, was an honour in many cultures, in that the culture of the day, and in fact, if your son was invited to follow the rabbi, you would know as a parent that allegiance to the rabbi was even greater than allegiance to your family. You would support that son of yours and you would say that it was a great honour in your town, in your, in your city, for your son to be chosen to follow. But Jesus, what does he do? He opens it up to anyone and everyone. Not just the top of the top, the elite of the elite, but anyone. Man, woman and child, rich or poor, ethnic origin alike, doesn't matter. Follow me was his invitation. How liberating. And so the good news here this morning is this. But no matter who you are, no matter what you've done or has been done to you, if you place your hand out in simple faith and trust in following Jesus, the one who lived and died and rose again for you, he will welcome you into his eternal family. He will welcome you into what God is doing here in this world right now. He will forgive and for many people experience a healing and a wholeness that comes into their life because you are reconnected with the creator God who made you. And that for eternity, both it reaches into the future as well as in the present, you will come to experience God. And that's what Kieran and Kylie were talking about this morning. Okay, that's just a, the, quick, the quick take. And so we looked at this last week. And we said, okay, if the question last week was, who and what am I following? Because we're all following someone or something. The question I want to unpack this week is how is it that Jesus would like his followers to become fruitful? In other words, what is the process by which Jesus adopts for having anyone who would follow him to be a learner come to actually produce fruit in their life, to be able to hear his voice, to be able to know him and he know them and to follow him? Yeah? Because last week we just finished off with the, the clear question is who or what are you following? We are all following someone or something. Let me ask you this though. Does it lift you? Does it give life to you? 
Sometimes we think we might be having fun following something or someone, but it doesn't actually give you life. It takes it away. Is it right? Is it true? Is it noble? Does it give you hope? Because that's what Jesus has on offer. And so last week, as we just briefly looked at how it is, there's an invitation, there's positioning ourselves, God reveals himself and there's a response that's required of us. Today, I want to unpack the question in this framework, this paradigm Ali and I will be unpacking this week and next week, is really answering the question, how can we become fruitful? What is Jesus' process for that? And today I just want to highlight invitation and this positioning of ourselves. And to do that, we're going to recap. Thanks, James. We're going to look at this story that we've just been reenacted, probably with a little bit less exaggeration, and I want you to follow with me this morning, okay? You ready to go? Next few minutes. Let's go back over this again. Immediately after this, after what? Jesus has just performed one of his most profound miracles. He has taken a little boy's lunchbox that has just got five little loaves and two little sardines. And for 5,000 men, that's not including the women and children, he has performed a miracle. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't think miracles are happening, then, then this is, you're going to think this is strange and funny. You're going to chuckle to yourself. But if you think that there is something beyond the natural world, then, then Jesus would say that it's quite possible. And he performed a miracle. He actually fed 5,000 people, multiplying a few pieces of bread and some fish. And as a result of that, the people went, wait a second, there's a... I've been a time in our past when God did this. If anyone has watched The Prince of Egypt or if you've um, watched Charlton Heston in the Ten Commands, yeah, you know that when the Israelites came out of, of Egypt, God fed them in the desert. It was called manna. And so when they saw Jesus doing this, they thought, you are the one, you are the king that we have been waiting for. And so they got inspired. They said, we want to rally around you. But the kind of kingship they had in mind was, He was going to be one of those liberating Messiah kings that would actually come and through the shedding of blood, uh, liberate the Jewish people from the Romans. Jesus, sensing that that's what they wanted to do, and his message was about peace with man and with God, so he insisted, it says, that his disciples get back into the boat. Disciples, get away from here. I don't want you caught up in this kind of thinking. He dispersed the crowds. And then he waited. It goes on and says this, get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up on a hillside by himself to pray. I would have liked to have understood what was it he was asking for. Father, um, how do I navigate myself through this next little sticky, tricky bit where they want to make me king and they want me to do something that would destroy and kill other people and I don't want to have any part of that. How are we going to do this? And then night fell while he was there alone. Okay, you with me so far? Because it's going to get a little weirder from here. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, if you're a Jewish person, the sea was not a nice place for you. It was considered to be the place of evil and chaos. So when you've got seasoned fishermen long way offshore and the seas are starting to break up, you're thinking there's something happening here, there's an evil at work and we're in the midst of it. And you sense it's a setup for these guys because of this. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them. Three o'clock. So they'd been struggling for hours. Jesus was up quietly praying. Yeah. 
Have you ever wondered, God, where are you? In the midst of my chaos and trouble. And Jesus is up there praying. Yeah? Maybe he wanted them to experience all of the waves and all of the chaos and all of the hardships so that they would be in a place to experience and witness something else. So this is where it gets really weird. The morning Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Now, if you've seen any YouTube clips of Dynamo, hmm, this is not Dynamo, okay? This is well before him. No tricks here. Walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Now, they didn't have time to process this particular incident, but later on they'd reflect upon it and say, wait a second, that time back when Moses led us out of Egypt, we were fed from God, from the heavens. It was also that Moses led us through the sea. Some leader was going to take us into a new way of thinking and a new way of living as God's people. And that seems to be what's pointing here. So the the story goes on. But Jesus spoke to them at once and he said these words, Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Let's just pause there for a moment. If you read the story of Jesus throughout the Bible, if there was one singular message that he would want to repeat over and over and over again, it's simply this one. No matter what storms are taking place in your life, I don't want you to be afraid. He's not saying you don't have to fear anything because that's a natural response, fright and flight. But he's not wanting us to be so overwhelmed that we think we're all left alone and it's only just us. That's why the next words come. Take courage, be of good cheer. I am here. It seems that when you travel with Jesus, the singular message that he wanted to impress upon anyone who would be followers of him would be to say over and over again, do you know who I am? And if you really knew who I was and believed that, then even in the midst of your troubles and your fear, you would carry this sense of courage and hope and presence because I am here with you. Now we're going to discover something about Peter that gets really strange from here. Because Peter then, one of the the disciples, then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. (laughs) This is good, isn't it? He had to be under the age of 25, don't you think? Because if you saw a ghost walking on the water, I think the last thing that I would want to ask, wouldn't you, is can I actually come out onto the water with you? Yeah? Now, I don't think this is Jesus doing the first series of swimming lessons on the Sea of Galilee, yeah? I think this is Jesus actually taking Peter for what he is. Why did you, if you afterwards, if you said to Peter, Peter, what were you thinking when you said, can I actually come out into the water with you? What, what, what were you thinking? I think like any man under the age of 25, the response would be what, guys? It would be, I was thinking nothing. Yeah, someone just mouthed it to me. I was thinking nothing. Anyone else here? In, in fact, psychologists would say that that it actually takes up to the age of 25 for the frontal lobe to develop. So when guys do things that are really weird, like uh, why did you shoot that arrow at your friend um, and it actually pierced his head and nearly killed him, the common response from a male under the age of 25 would be, 
I wasn't thinking anything. In, in, in fact, it didn't even register that there might be a consequence to what I was doing. That's why mothers, mothers live in fear and trepidate. You know this. We're trying to instill into young boys that that was dumb. What were you thinking? I wasn't thinking anything, mum. I want you to... Okay. All right, just a bit of parenting happening there. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus took him at his invitation. Sure, I know you're under the age of 25. Yeah, your frontal lobe hasn't developed. Uh, you're just spouting off the mouth. You don't even know really what you're saying, Peter. But sure, come. So come out on the water with me. And so Peter gets out of the boat. Thanks, James. And went over to the other side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Rescue me, master, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and he said these conjoling words to him. Oh, Peter, you brainless twerp <laughs> whose frontal lobe hasn't developed. And if your mother was here, she would say, what were you thinking? And you would say nothing, but yet you just said those words and now here you are out on the water with me. You have so little faith in me. Why did you doubt? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshipped him saying, you really are God's son. Do you see up here? When he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. When he saw them, when he saw them, he took his eyes off Jesus and began to watch the waves and to fear all of the in incredible chaos and power of that water and the wind. And it seemed to, if you like, swamp him, overwhelm him to the extent that somehow that which was drawing him towards Jesus and the power that obviously emanated from Jesus to allow him to that was broken. And Jesus has to reach out and pull up his friend Peter. And he says these chuckling, conjoling words to him. Oh, Peter, you have little faith. Okay, where do we go with this this morning? How do we wrap all these things together? Thanks, James. It strikes me that when it comes to understanding life with God and being able to hear his voice and to be able to follow Jesus, there's this process that he invites us to be part of that involves wind and waves, that involves stepping out, that involves putting ourselves in a position where we can actually discover who he is so that we'll be able to hear his voice, that we'll be able to know what he's saying and that we'll be able to follow. Now, if you were in my family and you went shopping, you would know that I have this quirky thing that I do. Uh, whenever we're being lost in a crowd and we can't find one another. You might be over in another aisle. Um, I have this thing I do, and, and, and I do it, and, and it helps us gather back together so that they, we know where each other is. And I do this little whistle. Okay, so if you're out shopping with me and I lose one of the kids or Bron's off doing something else, I'll do this. I'll try and do it now. That's all. But my sheep hear my voice. And they come to me. And they follow. It's pretty cool, actually. 
I know that's a little bit of Arnett weirdness, but it's, it's just me, really, it is. <laughs> um, but after a while, I reckon that Jesus, if you like, when his disciples, his followers were experiencing kind of those moments of terror and chaos, what he really wanted to instill in them, that amidst all of the, the crashing waves and the wind and the, what's happening in their lives, that he would be able to whistle, if you like, that he would be able to speak and that amidst that they would still be able to know that he was present, know that he was there and place their trust in him. In fact, it looks a little bit like this. It seems that Jesus is on about at the end of the day wanting to build confidence into people who say they follow him. Build confidence. So that no matter what's happening in their life, they might be able to stand back and still hear his whistle. He invites in fact, people said to Jesus, why do you do what you do? And he said, I only do what I see my father doing and I'm doing the same thing. I'm at work all the time. But he bids us to position ourselves in such a way that we would come to him. And so Kylie and Kieran talked about some of these things this morning. They said, you know, when I place myself in a position where I speak with God, then I'm open to hear. When, when I place myself in a position like some guys are doing around here and girls listening to podcasts and learning about who Jesus is, then they understand. And then there are times when people, they get switched on by worshipping God and saying, God, you're God, I'm not. And so there's some music they listen to, there's things that they would do to serve other people and that's an act of worship and they say, when I do that, I am changed. But it seems like the only criteria that Jesus needs is a willingness to learn. So let me ask you this. I reckon Jesus would whisper, if you want to walk on water, you've got to step out of the boat. If you want to experience me in your life, you need to position yourself in such a way that you can hear from me, that you know what my voice sounds like. And even in those times when the waves are crashing, when things are happening all around about you, that you would still be able to know that I am with you, even though you may not feel like it. If you want to work, walk on water, you've got to step out of the boat. These guys are going to come in a moment and they're going to sing a song, a worshipful song. But as they do, I just want to ask you this. Where are you in relation to the boat this morning? Where are you in relation to the boat and Jesus this morning? Last week we were asking the question, who are you following what thing or what person? This week, do you understand the process by which Jesus wanted to instill a sense of confidence and growth that would cause you to be fruitful so that you can hear his whistle? Maybe you're here this morning and for you, you're just checking out God. And so you're standing back from the boat, if you like, and you're wondering... Where do I even start? I would say to you here this morning, start with Jesus and start by being just open to learning. Yeah? Maybe you're here this morning and you are in the boat. You've said to Jesus in the past, I'm following you, I confess you, I believe in who you are. But whilst you're in the boat, it's been a long, long time since you can say, I hear his voice. And I follow, I experience him, 
In fact, maybe you've seen the wind and the waves kick up so much that you've been caught up in lesser things. You've gone fishing. (laughs) You've been distracted by all the other things that are happening in your world. And you can say, yeah, I believe, but I'm not experiencing. If you're that person in the boat, then what will happen to you is this. You will start to be so caught up by the wind and the waves and what's going on around about that you will start to even question, why am I in the boat in the first place? And there's a reason for that. It's because if you're not growing with Jesus, you're probably just being dragged along by him. And that doesn't lead to a life that can hear the whisper and the whistle of the one who walked on the water. Maybe you're here this morning and you go, you know what, my best days in following Jesus were back when I, and I gave so much to, that I'm exhausted now, and someone else can. And Jesus whistles and whispers to you. If you want to walk on water with me, you've got to step out of the boat. You've got to position yourself in a way with me that's costly and requires effort, but I want you to hear my voice. I want you to know me. Maybe you're here and you've stepped out of the boat in the past and you've gone, you know what, Jesus, you failed me. You didn't pick me up and I sank. And I'm angry. Kieran talked about that this morning. Have you ever thought that maybe Jesus wanted you to learn something along the way? Even in the midst of the suffering and the hardship. It doesn't mean that he doesn't still whisper to you, take courage. Get back in the boat. I reckon we have a choice every day. When we get up in the morning... We've got a choice to make every day when we, if you're driving, if you're not and you want to drive, you can try this, but just don't go out of the driveway. Is that we pick up the keys to our house, we pick up the keys to our businesses, we pick up the keys to our cars, we pick up the keys to our lives. And we turn the ignition on every morning and we drive somewhere to someone to something. And Jesus would bid us and whisper to us in the morning time and the evening time at lunchtime, hey, when's the last time you threw me the keys? And said, Jesus, I've had enough of driving. You drive. And I'll listen. And I'll learn. Because I want to be a good learner. If you want to take this somewhere today, you want to find out about Jesus, would you let me know right on one of the white cards? I want to explore Jesus. If you're here this morning, I want to leave you with this question for this week. How are you positioning yourself? And you want to know how to do some positioning? Talk to Ali, talk to Stu, talk to me, talk to someone who says I'm a follower of Jesus that's positioning themselves. And if you don't know how, you can ask them and they will tell you how they do it. And you need to figure out your language. Lastly, today you might take this simple, powerful truth. My sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. Learn that by heart. And each morning when you get in the car, open the door, turn a lock, say, Jesus, I'm just open to you. I'm willing today to hear your voice. 
that I might follow you, that I might hear from you today. 